Hello, everybody. I'm Pasha Marlowe, and this is the Let Pleasure Be the Measure podcast. I bring you today from the future in Australia, Regan Fig. And Regan is a pleasurepreneur, which I didn't even know existed, except I think I am one. And then I met her and I said, oh, there's a name to this. How fantastic. So I'm excited to meet her. She's also a feminine embodiment coach, which I'm really excited to talk to her about how we embody our emotions and our pleasure. And interestingly, Regan, my husband set us up. My husband found you on Clubhouse. I don't know what kind of room it was even um, that he was in, but he heard that you worked in the field of pleasure. And so he suggested you reach out to me. And then from there, we took over and it's just been easy and uh, lovely ever since. So I think this is the first time my husband set me up with somebody. He did a good job. Oh, feeling special. <laughs> welcome. Welcome. Yes. And in my world, setting me up with somebody means a whole lot of different things. So this is so wonderful that he would, he would find somebody whose, um, whose passion is pleasure. And did you create the name pleasurepreneur or is that, is that really? I love it. I love it. I've been calling myself a pleasure coach, but I love the sound of pleasurepreneur. It's sensual, the name alone. Yeah. Well, you are one of for sure. <laughs> Excellent. And so you're in Australia. What part of Australia? Well, I'm on the southeast coast of Australia, just south of Sydney. Okay. But currently you're in your car because you're hiding from people, little people. <laughs> yeah, I have a two-month-old, a two-year-old, and a four-year-old in the house, and it is 8 a.m. here, so they've got lots of energy, so yeah. here we are. It's beautiful. I I'm sure there's times where just sitting in your car alone feels like a spa treatment because you're just by yourself. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Do you ever, you know, if you have some time to yourself too, and you go out and you come home and you park up out front or in your garage and you kind of just enjoy that kind of few moments before oh yes oh yes like in between <laughs> yes there's that moment where I turn the knob of my front door and I take a breath and I remind myself of of gratitude for being a mommy because I love it more than anything and I have to take a deep breath because it requires so much of my heart and my energy and so yes it's 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 both wonderful and exhausting all at the same time. And especially with an infinite and in breastfeeding around the clock, I'm sure uh, an extra, an extra level of, of constant care that, that you're having the privilege of doing, but it does take a toll on us mommies, right? Yeah. Yeah. But that's why it's, I think so important. And this is probably where, my work really kind of ramped up in mm -hmm. terms of being a mama mm -hmm. and realizing that I have to look after me. Mm -hmm. um, I need to invest in myself if I want other people to invest in me. And, you know, the, it is quite cliche to talk about having that full cup so that you can give to others, but it's exactly right. It's like, if I can really look after me and ensure that I'm nourished and I'm having a good time, that's going to flow on to my children and my husband and those who are in my realm. So, yes. Yeah. And 
I've been watching your Instagram posts and um, seeing the exquisite photographs of you giving birth to your daughter and how your other two children were witnessing the birth and how beautiful it is that you, that you're showing them all, all of your emotions, all of the sounds of pleasure and pain and surrender. How was that being surrounded by your husband and your children in the, in the bathtub? I assume it was a home birth. Yeah. Yeah. We had a home birth. So it was our second home birth. Mm. Um, my eldest son was also there for the birth of my second babe, my second son a couple of mm. years ago as well. And yeah, I remember particularly for the birth of my second babe, my son, my second son. Um, one of the reasons why I wanted a home birth. And again, this time around as well was, you know, they are children, obviously, growing up to witness a woman in all of her glory, in her moment of ultimate power. And it's so natural as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, the first home birth we had with my second son, it was really interesting because my eldest was like half the time he was kind of bored. Um, the other half of the time he was interested. And again, this time around, um, I mean, we did have to wake them up at, you know, 2.30 in the morning. Uh, but yeah, it, it was very kind of just matter of fact for them. Mm. And so to have them there with me at the time because I was so in the zone most of the time I didn't I wasn't really aware of it I mean I think they're up for about actually only half an hour before baby arrived but there was one point where I knew that they had come into the room because my youngest son had gone fairy no what did you say Christmas lights mommy it's Christmas day and he was so excited and I was just like so brought back to the present moment and just this excitement and the gloriousness and it kind of did feel like Christmas day you know Mm -hmm. so yeah having their energy in the room definitely made a difference and Mm -hmm. being able for them to see the the um, birth is such a natural process and being able to witness uh, very like a woman in her power. Yes. I think like what an epic gift. Absolutely. You know? Yes. And that you have such beautiful photographs in case they, in case they forget, they will be brought back to that moment. I, and I do enjoy how one of the photographs, I think your older son, he was just kind of laying on the couch really as, as if you were just like, just another day. When is this going to be over? You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so that it's normalizing this beautiful, um, this beautiful natural process. And um, it was, it was just exquisite to, to look at. And it brought me back to my own births and um, made me miss holding little babies, looking at your photographs of you so beautifully um, working and mommying in the background. Um, and so finding that, finding that balance and joy in both. I, I especially loved the post you did. Um, you were singing or there was music of you are my sunshine in the background and you were just taking in holding your little girl. I think she was two months old at the time um, and not thinking about work and not thinking about productivity and not thinking about expectations and just smelling her and breathing her in. And yeah. beautiful, beautiful. Remind, yeah. Reminds us to to stop and um, yeah. notice. Yeah. Well, and I think it's interesting too that you brought up um, the birth 
mm-hmm. as we've started talking now because I hadn't really done a lot of birth prep in inverted commas um, for this birth. Mm. Um, the first time around I did, you know, we had, did a weekend calm birth retreat and I did hypnobirthing and I read all the books and all the things. And, and whilst, yes, I had had two births before this one. So I, it's like, I hadn't been through that experience as well. I really wasn't drawn to reading any books. I really wasn't drawn to doing any hypnobirthing meditation. I wasn't drawn to a lot of that stuff that you'd consider, I guess, traditional preparation for a birth my really really my focus throughout that pregnancy I was building my business and for me being a pleasurepreneur it was all about doing it in a way that felt really good which means mm-hmm. connecting with my body yeah. very regularly like really tuning into my body's wisdom my intuition honoring it and with that I ended up I believe that that really set me up for the most ecstatic birth. It was just incredible because, I mean, I wasn't looking outside of myself for any guidance. I was able to really drop into my body. I, you know, there was no judgment around my feet, any feelings that were coming up. It was just, I was so used to allowing myself to process any of those emotions without judgment. I was so used to allowing my body to guide me. I was so used to um, not questioning and totally trusting my intuition and being in that feminine surrender. Um, that it was just the most incredible experience. Uh, I think that really definitely created that ecstatic birth over, you know, reading the books and and doing those kind of things. So yeah, it was really interesting in hindsight to see that that's where it led. Mm-hmm. And now you coach women to connect to their bodies and and have this experience of surrender. And even if we cannot birth a child again, that we could birth our passions, birth our desires, birth our, birth our pleasures and our voices. Um, Exactly. Yeah. So what is your favorite, um, I guess, technique or modality? I don't know what, what you refer to it as to help women tap into their emotions as they embody them. Um, Okay. In terms of tapping into your emotions as you're embodying them. Well, I would say, for embodiment, particularly for feminine beings, it is about getting into your body, right? So, you know, the masculine is very kind of logical. It's in the mind. It's all about kind of being goal oriented. And and the feminine is more about being in the body, um, being sensual, um, being process oriented. And when we can really tune into our body, that is where we find those emotions that is where we can become aware of what our body is telling us is where we can start to explore i things that i explore things that are coming up for us Mm -hmm. and so i guess first of all having that awareness about what those feelings are because so often uh, a lot of clients will come to me and they they haven't gotten to that point yet and that's not a judgment that's just an observation in that they feel nothing from the neck down mm-hmm. um, they feel numb they they're not really sure what lights them up mm-hmm. they don't know what they desire they don't know what feels good for them anymore um, and so it's really about um, allowing them to tune in with their formula for how they can best hear those messages from their body 
Um, so I invite them just to, and any of your listeners as well, to just have a play with perhaps any kind of practices that you can do that allows you to tune in with your body. Maybe it's journaling, maybe it's yoga, maybe it is going for a walk in nature. Um, and again, maybe finding some space, like a certain environment where you can tune into your body as well. Maybe it's even just in the shower. I know so many of us are so busy that, you know, just having that couple of minutes to be in the shower and to breathe and to perhaps even ask ourselves some questions of like, what am I create? What is my body craving right now? Or what do I need in this moment? Or what am I feeling right now? Mm -hmm. So yeah, really allowing yourself the space to tune in with your body and playing and exploring and being curious of, you know, what practices you can weave into your day that will allow you to hear the messages of your body. Yes. Mm. And, and it's so individualized. And for me, it changes seemingly every day. I think I'm going to be served by um, a shower, but then I feel like I want to go outside. Or if I go outside, I might realize that I'm listening to my body and I really just want to take a nap under a cozy blanket. And allowing ourselves that space to explore is so important because that's part of the tuning in. Um, our formula one day might not be our formula the next day. And my friend's formula is not my own. Um, so many people love diving into the ocean here in Maine. I think diving into cold water sounds terrible. Like just for me, this doesn't sound good at all. I want to sit in a sauna Ooh, yeah. <laughs> and, um, and sweat and, and, and detoxify. And that feels good to me. So um, sometimes I, I feel this pull to, to try what it looks like somebody else is really thriving and how another woman is finding her pleasure and her strength. And, um, and I have to stop myself and really listen to my own intuition, my own inner knowing. Um, yeah. There were even moments where, even though I taught yoga, I didn't want it to be yoga that brought me to my embodiment. Does that make sense? It's just, I felt like I needed to do something completely different. And for me, that was interestingly comedy and laughing um, yeah. and it needed to be strange and out of the box for it to, for me to get out of my head. And so yeah. do you encourage your clients to try things they've never tried before taking safe risks? Is that part of your coaching? Yeah, totally. Exploring and being curious and being open to any of it. Mm. Um, often a lot of clients will come to me who have they're kind of just in those early stages of motherhood or early stages of business. It's like they're trying to find their feet on a new platform and or in a new environment or experience. It's like a, they've been through perhaps a transition mm. and leaning, trying to lean on the things that used to feel good for them, even though they're kind of unfulfilling now mm. um, or they just don't work. Like you were talking about before, the things you, you, know, yeah. you think that you might like. Um, so, yeah, just really exploring anything that intrigues you anything yeah. like you'd mentioned before like sometimes you look out and see what other people are doing I mean if it inspires you why not have a play right. and and really like for you noticing like you'd mentioned like yoga is great but you said for you it didn't really feel right and I think like that's your your body's intuition that's your body's knowing and and actually yoga is a very masculine practice when you think about it it's all the lines and the structure and the posture and the you know repeating of a certain sequence um that is quite masculine for me. I practice what I would call like sensual yoga, 
because I'm also a yoga teacher. I've been practicing for about 15 years now. And yeah, it typically ends up with some kind of a, it's an intuitive movement practice more so for me. And yeah, that is what feels good because I might have a plan of what postures I might like to do. But really when I get into it, I just want to follow where my, I want to stretch where my body wants to stretch. I want to twist where my body wants to twist. Like, and I think that is the practice, right? Yes. Like going where it feels good. Yes. Yes. Often if I'm doing my own private practice, I'll start in a traditional pose with a sequence and then I'll end up doing like nothing fancy or, or even pretty. It's like twisting and stretching. And then it starts looking like kickboxing and then it looks like Tai Chi. And then it looks like weightlifting. And then it looks like lying on the floor, crying with a bolster. I'm like, I don't know what this practice is called, but this is just what I need to do today. So I feel like I just, yeah, come to it with an intuitiveness and, and that's important to have a space, even if it is in your car or your shower, where you feel safe to, to embody all of those emotions and to explore, because I know for a lot of us, we don't feel safe in our, even our primary relationships or in front of our spouse or partner or children or parents, um, to be so vulnerable, to move freely. Do you find that a lot with your clients that, um, especially when you think of something dancing or free form, um, intuitive yoga, that that's that it's challenging to find people you feel safe with to do that in their presence. Yeah, and I think where you touched on having that safety around others, also um, it has been a common thread where people don't even feel safe to express their own emotions on their own. Mm. where perhaps because of their upbringing or their past experiences or their conditioning or what's been modeled to them, that certain emotions are really bad, that showing or expressing any of those particular emotions um, are seen as a particular, like perhaps a weakness or shameful. Mm -hmm. And so if we can't um, allow ourselves to explore that, even just entertain that with within ourselves, of course, it's going to be quite difficult for then us to connect with another yes. and be able to express as well. And often it can be where we find we have trouble expressing things that we considered in inverted commas bad. Um, that also stifles our expression of the other things. So like, you'd know, joy and pleasure and love and um, yeah, all of those kind of things that we, that really make our experience a pleasurable one. So. Yes. And mm. how do you define pleasure? Oh, I knew you were going to ask me this question. So I was thinking about it. And for me, it would have to be, Definitely something that is connecting you with the body, something that's connecting you with that present moment. And I guess then it comes down to like just listening to my words now, like that connection, I suppose. Mm -hmm. Connection with the present moment, connection with your body in a way that feels good. Yeah. And like we can even, ex like as I was just talking before about like emotions that have been considered perhaps bad or that don't feel good, we can still experience them in a way that, um, 
I don't know how to phrase this so well, but we can experience it in a way that doesn't create suffering, that allows us to see it in a different light, that to come from a different perspective, to actually perhaps shine a pleasurable light on it. Does that make sense? It, it does for me very much so. Um, I'm thinking about perhaps even like the pain of childbirth. And then for me currently, the pain of parenting a sick child and how I hold him in his pain and I feel grief and I feel sadness and I'm trying to embrace the pleasure and the exquisiteness of being the one who's privileged to hold that space. And sometimes I have to get very scrappy with my, with my pleasures, but I'm just like, I am gifted now this extra time with him. Um, I would rather him be outside playing and able to play, but here we are holding each other under this soft blanket and petting our dog. And that's beautiful and pleasurable as well. Even though it's um, pain and pleasure, there's not as much suffering. So I, I think I understand what you're saying. That, that's how I'm translating it. Yeah. And I, and even watching, you know, your, you know, stories and things like that, of you like going, getting pleasure from going to your mailbox, like that's incredible to be able to get to that kind of a level where you can experience pleasure in every moment of every day mm-hmm. in the mundane or in those moments where it is like, I can imagine heartbreaking and, yeah, be able to find something there. Yes, yes. Mm. Yeah, it's not always that way for sure. And it's and it's those days where I'm feeling um, either, let's see, sorry for myself or I don't feel like it's fair or I'm just grieving the loss of what feels like his childhood as he continues to grow and grow and grow and not be able to play. I think, um, I think it's, it's, being in the moment with him and knowing when to ask for help. And I've needed to ask for help so much more in these last two years, Um, not just help like with groceries or walking my dog, but help like remind me who I am. Because if I forget my own power, my own brilliance, my own radiance, then I lose my way. And it's hard for me to stay present with the pleasure. So I, I often will call upon friends in those darker, more challenging moments where we're just bone tired, you know, mm-hmm. in the middle of the morning when you're, you know, nursing your crying baby, and you just want to sleep. Or if in the middle of the morning, I'm helping my teenage boy and I just want to sleep. Um, and sometimes it's online, uh, reaching out to somebody like we've, we've texted a few times through yeah. Instagram where it'll be in the middle of the night for me, but you're waking up and and I'm listening to your voice. I'm like, oh, okay. Like there's other people out there. There's other mamas out there who I can connect with, um, who understand the, the beauty and the heartache behind motherhood. And to me, that really helps through the, through those days. When I oh, that is, that's really good to hear. And I think to being able to connect with people online Often I find for me, and you might be the same as well, and I wonder if your listeners are the same, but often it's it's like that person's energy that Mm -hmm. feels really good. And it's almost like you're drawn to that. And I feel like if you can connect with someone whose energy feels good for you, you know you're headed in the right direction. That's, again, like this other, another message from your body. Like it's almost like a moth to a flame kind of thing, like go there. Yes. You know? 
Yes, absolutely. And chances are, I bet those friends who you call are the ones that make you feel good, right? It makes absolutely. sense. And there's some I've never met. Like you mm-hmm. refer to the energy. There's some women I've met over the last year through the pandemic that have just a sweet way of within a few words or even emojis touching my heart and make and calming my nerves. Um, and I hope I do that for them in return. But yeah, it's it's remarkable to me to realize the connections we can make online. I, I would have never assumed I would have made so many friends online, nor did I assume I would ever work so much online and find such pleasure in it that I would have more pleasure over the last couple of years and feel more well um, in my mind, body and spirit during the hardest of times is such a paradox to me. Um, and it still surprises me every time I realize it and say it, but it's true. It's been. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I think that's self-care, isn't it? Like Mm -hmm. that's self-love when you can place your time and your energy with people who make you feel good. That is, um, I would say that is a pleasure practice in itself. Mm -hmm. And I've become really aware of that too. Now having three children, um, I don't have, I'm not willing to put my time or my energy into environments or spaces or people that um don't make me feel good Mm -hmm. not to say that I will only be with people who you know inflate my ego or anything like that but yeah whether it's a conversation or spending time in someone's presence or reaching out to someone or like the business spaces that I'm in whether it's a mastermind or Mm -hmm. um, my own coaches and things like that like being able to ensure that we're being protective of our time and energy Mm -hmm. allows a pathway to pleasure. Yes. Yes. Have you found yourself, you've created stronger boundaries um, around, around yourself and your work uh, in terms of like the time you will give to clients and the time you will set aside for work versus family now? Has that evolved? Um, Look, it's still quite, it's still quite based on what feels good for me. And this is where it came back to me deciding that I'm a pleasurepreneur and I'm only prepared to do my work in the world if it feels good. Mm-hmm. You know, it was a couple of months after my second son was born that I was like, right, I'm really going in with this and I'm not prepared to give my time and energy to anything that doesn't feel good. Yes, there are times where I am, you know, pushing up against my edges or coming out of that, you know, expanding out of my comfort zone or increasing my capacity, those moments that feel that kind of bit of edginess or discomfort. Um, But when I'm being led by my desires, I know that that's kind of just like an expansive kind of period as opposed to, signing up to somebody else's blueprint for motherhood or, or business and following someone else's 10-step formula or yeah like so I guess for me it is really about what feels good and so only committing to the things that I'm drawn to only following like I'm very desire driven I would yeah. say so yeah if it doesn't feel good for me um, it's something that I just have to pop on the shelf or pass on to the universe to give to somebody else yes there have been times when I have had some generous offers and I'm like it's just it doesn't it's 
not aligned with me. It doesn't make my heart sing. Mm. And so for me, it's been really helpful again to tune into my body because it allows me to know what it is that I want to be doing. Mm. And I don't find, I did a, a very short, like a uh, mini, like kind of pop up coaching live about this this morning on my Instagram and Facebook. And it was about like indecisiveness. And it's like, well, I don't find that I'm indecisive anymore because my body knows. Yes. And so for me, it's really about like, it doesn't take me long. I don't spend, I don't waste my time and energy, like kind of shuffling around and flapping about, about what it is that I'm going to offer or what it is that I want to share or who I want to work with. Um, and I think that creates quite an energetic um, resonance that means I'm not available for the things that don't feel good so that I don't attract those kind of things. I seem to attract really beautiful people into my life. I seem to attract amazing clients Um yeah, I seem to find myself with windows that just pop open in terms of someone comes home, early, like my husband might come home early to look after the baby or my mum offers to have my older two or sometimes there's something that I'm just drawn to offer and I'm not exactly sure how it's going to play out in terms of the time and the space that I have and it just seems to open up. Oh. So, it's been pretty incredible in that sense. Wow. I'm not interested in trying to follow somebody else's rules um, and trying to find balance as well, because I think with balance, we try and it's almost like if we put our time and energy and emphasis onto one thing, it looks like then the other thing has to miss out. Mm. And that's why I, I think it's more about like harmony for me. Mm. So, you know, harmony of business and mum life and partnership and, and family life. And yeah, like for me, just really putting my energy and time into the things that feel good because then it nourishes and flows into everything else. Yes. Did that answer your question? It was <laughs> beautiful. I'm just like, this is the kind of podcast episode where I'm just going to sit back and let you talk and, I'm <laughs> and learn. I'm thinking about not only am I speaking to you kind of tongue in cheek from the future because it's tomorrow where you are for me, but you're, you're what I aspire to in your work and in your life, because it's very new practice for me to embrace pleasure. And so I don't embody it um, as well as I know I can. And so I'm working up to it. And so you're, you're inspiring me with your words. And I have to ask, you have three little ones at home and at work. And so for your own sensuality, how do you fit that in? Uh, what a great question what a great question um I love that you asked that question and thank you for those beautiful words I receive them with such gratitude thank you so much um in regards to your question around how do I fit in um pleasure so for me I practice consistently I practice a sensuality practice mm -hmm. And I get asked this a lot, like I don't have time. And for me, practicing sensuality, it actually, it's not taking more time. I'm actually just bringing myself to the present moment. And through my body's senses, I'm connecting with that moment. Hmm. And so for me, like I often might, instead of just having my morning cuppa, you know, while I'm trying to do a million things, I might take myself and stand in the grass and feel the sunshine on my face. Mm. And I'm still having my cuppa. 
I'm not taking any extra time, but I am feeling the ground under my feet. I'm feeling the sunshine on my face. I'm listening to the birds. I'm, I'm smelling the morning dew. I am hearing my kids probably running a riot. Um, yeah. Like I'm smelling that coffee in my hands. Um, I'm feeling the warmth of it. Like I'm just really tuning in with that. Mm. So for me, it is about like being clever with my time and just feeling the sensualness of every moment and this isn't to say that every moment I'm really profoundly connected with um, each moment in my and my senses but it's a practice it's something that I remind myself to do often and um, you know it could be an opportunity where we've got to get from A to B in the car and we're kind of running late and I've got to chuck all three kids in the car and they're climbing all over the car and by the time I get them in and I'm sitting in my seat, I have the option to stay tensed up with my shoulders up and clinging to the steering wheel and have to think about getting from A to B and being really goal oriented. Or I can, you know, start my drive, sink into my seat, feel the support that I'm receiving from my car seat, feel the steering wheel in my hands. I can feel the breeze on my face. I can listen to my kids probably doing something funny in the back. Um, You know, I can take in the beauty that's around me, like noticing. And that's when I start to really notice like, oh, wow, that beautiful jacaranda tree has got all these beautiful purple flowers. I didn't notice that this until this week or yeah. And so I'm able to still go from A to B in the same amount of time, but it's a completely different experience. Yeah. Mm. I feel like I do that fairly well between, you know, waking hours of maybe 5 a.m. till about noon. And then I start to get tired and, and hungry and I don't have as much to give to my children or my husband or my clients. And, and then by the end of the night, um, if there were to be any time with my partner, I'm spent, I'm drained. And so... When I, I find that often with my clients too, that our best selves are not given to our intimate partners because it's not, we don't have the time. And then at the end of the day, we're depleted. And so how do you counteract or balance that? Yeah, I try and be really conscious of my energy throughout the day. So when it is, you know, the middle of the day where I'm feeling really tired, like often with three little ones at home, it will, I'll be dying for a nap. So sometimes that looks like letting my four-year-old, you know, have the laptop and watch a movie and the two-year-old might be sleeping and I have a baby kind of laying on my chest, kind of feeding and sleeping and I can catch 10 minutes mm-hmm. or I'll listen to um, like a yoga nidra. Actually, I've got a, a freebie one on my Instagram if anyone would like to oh, use it. Um, it's just 12 minutes just to you know, listen to my body and allow myself some kind of a recharge. And maybe you can't be napping or listening to a meditation. Maybe it is literally just having a cup of tea. Um, I'm trying to, yeah, manage my energy day to day and knowing like always kind of tweaking. Like Mm -hmm. sometimes it might mean that, you know, I would like to create a really healthy, nutritious meal for the evening, but I know that I actually desire some ease as well. So Mm. that might be a takeaway night. And 
you know, it's often where so we can be so hard on ourselves to have such high expectations that we wear ourselves out, we deplete ourselves. And then, like you said, we get to the end of the night and when it is about connecting with our partners whom we love and we want to nurture that relationship as well, we feel like we've got nothing left. So it's about, I guess, putting in some kind of practices and listening to ourselves throughout the day, um, which, yeah, it can be tricky, um, but just doing our best, you know? Yes, yes. And does your husband practice um, embodiment and pleasure practices? I'm just curious if you're aligned in that way. No, not at all. He is such a uh, total like kind of uh, blokey bloke. I think that's probably an Australian phrase. A blokey um, bloke. Okay. Like, is this like a, a manly very... man? Is this how we yeah. would say okay. <laughs> You know, like he doesn't come to do any meditation with me. When I would teach yoga class before we were childless, um, he would come to yoga class and he would be the one giggling in the corner. And I'd be like, Everybody ignore my husband. He's not laughing at anyone else. He's, you know. He just can't handle the stillness yet, right? And, yes. And yet he was present for the home birth. So he's he's open to embodiment. He's open to this process of you surrendering to the feminine uh, power and, and strength. So he must understand it at some level. Yeah. And I think too, it... Um, and this is what I do get asked this often in terms of like clients saying, well, I would really like my partner to support me more, or I would really like my partner to allow me to have more time for my business and things like that. And so I'm asking like, well, do you do that for yourself? Are you protective of your time? You know, are you putting yourself first? Are you valuing yourself? Are you the person like you have to go first. And if I didn't have a very um, strong amount, if I didn't have this kind of trust that I could birth my baby, if I didn't believe that my body was capable, if I was uncertain, that would then lead to him being uncertain. Mm -hmm. So I think for me, it is really about um going first leading first I can't expect him to say um you know I can't ex- and this is why I sort of say, say to my clients as well like you probably can't expect your partner to say hey go and have some time on your business if you're not being protective for your business hey go and have some time to look after yourself if you're not willing to move past that potentially some guilt or um yeah, really honor yourself. If you're not prepared to honor yourself, I don't think you can expect others to either. So yeah, I think we we lead first. Yes. So learning to receive it for ourselves so that we can receive it from others and then learning to to ask. And then when when it's offered, be able to say yes without the yes. guilt and the yes. shame. And then and then show them that you value that that time. Um, I, I do think that's true because you can only save yourself. And I can work on my um, mental health and my physical health and and eat healthy and do the yoga and read the books and listen to the podcasts and and feel very frustrated with the fact that I I but the story I'm telling myself is that he doesn't have interest in evolving. Um, and so then it causes uh, friction because I feel like if I'm in a space of 
of pleasure and enjoyment and self-care than he should be as well. So I, so I'm learning to not project my own practices <laughs> onto him and honor and honor his uh, pace as well. Um, but I, I, I noticed that to be an issue that, that we're working through because I see so much benefit in it. I'm like, Oh, come on, try some yoga, try some breathing, try some, you know, pleasure practices. Um, but we have to go at our own pace. Well, I love your awareness to notice that it's like a projection type thing, Oh yeah. but also too, I feel like the masculine just wants to create that safe space so that you can be fulfilled, right? Like, you know, the masculine is about being the person, being the protector, and the feminine is about being filled up, right? And so, like, for him, it's probably fulfilling for him to see you being in a place of pleasure you know even when you think about sexuality as well like if they can like if they know that you are reaching like moments of like glory and and pleasure and satisfaction that brings them satisfaction so yeah so I totally I hear you um and I think sometimes too it's valuable to be able to know that we can prioritize our pleasure first. And even just in doing that, that can bring others pleasure. Yes. 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 There is. And I, it does. And I, and I see how my prioritizing pleasure is also relieving my son who's sick of some of his pain because when I wasn't prioritizing pleasure and I was only prioritizing sitting with him in his pain, he was taking on um, some guilt and shame for, he would say, I'm ruining your day or you can't have fun because of me. And so I felt initially guilty and selfish stepping away from him and doing a comedy show or or laughing yoga. Um, But he's so much more in his own pleasure hearing me and, and watching me in my pleasure. And I think it offers him hope. So there's this two-way liberation going on that I think is beautiful. Um, yeah. So I, I think it is important to. And to- that's incredible that you're doing that. Like, let's just take this moment to allow you to really honor yourself for that. That takes courage. That takes a lot. That takes, um, yeah. I mean, you know, right. It's been very hard. Even just this week was the first time. And I used to teach yoga and fitness. It was my career for 25 years and being athletic is something I really thrive in. And since he's been sick and unable to move and enjoy his own body and his, it feels like his body's betraying him and that he, that he has so much pain in it. um, I wasn't moving. I wasn't exercising or working to my fullest um, potential and capacity. And so this past week, I, I feel very brave in it, but I started exercising again in a challenging way that feels good. Um, and I'm trying to relieve myself of the guilt that I don't have to stop just because he can't. Um, and I still haven't been able to exercise and jump and play full out in front of him because I haven't bridged that yet, but I'm doing it on my own. Uh, it's very messy. <laughs> It's very messy still, but I'm trying to, to reclaim that 
it's interesting how exercise is, has been a, um, a battle, uh, for, for me, even though I know I need it. Um, I think there's, there's a lot of sadness behind it, if that mm. makes sense. Yeah. So it's, I, I need to embody my emotions more. It's certainly something I'm working on and I find that I'm doing it through Instagram helps because I'm like, I'm like, Oh, this is so hard. Can anybody relate? Can anybody see how hard and messy this is? Um, and it's, and it's part of our healing. Totally. Yeah. yeah. I think sometimes that expression, whether it is on Instagram or yeah. through, you know, like a comedy skit or whatever it might be, even in your journal or whatever it might be, just having that space for expression mm-hmm. that allows the emotions to move through, right? Like they say, like emotions are energy in motion. Yeah. And when we can allow them to move through us, that is like part of the process. And that is how, like, if you are if you're desiring to experience pleasure and, you know, joy and love and connection and happiness, it it can be quite difficult if we're kind of all stuck up with a lot of these other emotions that we haven't allowed to move through us and out. So that's incredible. I think that you're aware of that. And, and even if it is Instagram, why not? I, I, yeah, I don't hold any shame about sharing my stories on Facebook and Instagram anymore. Cause frankly, it's the only outlet I have and we need to connect to people, um, in my own community because of COVID. I don't know what it's like in Australia right now, but it's still quite locked down. We're all always masked. Most places are closed. There's not a gathering place for people to, um, you know, eat outside or, or see each other. Um, even when I'm walking my dog, you know, we're cold still. So we have our hats and our masks. And so, you know, maybe our eyes meet, but, um, but I miss the human contact of the, of the smiles and the hugs, of course. But I find that online in talking to people like you, I could see your whole face. I could see your body language. I could feel your energy. And so I have found it to be just so life-saving to have this online community and and capacity to share um even though i would have thought it shallow and um uh before like before before the pandemic before when i felt like i needed to have three-dimensional people to to um become friends with and and share with and be vulnerable with um it's been one of the many gifts of this strange i yeah i would say that you sharing your experience in your life is actually like talking about being life-saving. That'll be life-saving for other people. And I think when we share our stories, it allows other people to see parts of themselves within us and it connects us. Mm. And yeah, I think that's what the world needs now. Mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah. It's beautiful to witness your journey Um I, I, I was telling you before we started, like I watch your uh, Instagram post and I just start lactating and feeling that heaviness <laughs> of, the, of the milk coming in. And 13 years later, I think this is phenomenal that my body has such vivid memory of, of milk coming in. And, um, yeah. And I miss it. I miss it. So I, I just, I just adore um, watching, watching you enjoy it. It's such a pleasure to watch another mama enjoy and breathe in that uh precious those precious moments yeah 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 and look sometimes it's not all enjoyment but i'll share some of that as well oh good 
yeah you know and so yeah it's like I think to this baby we it's our like planned to be our last baby and I'm like oh gosh the time's going so fast she's getting so big mm-hmm. so, yeah really trying to savor every moment it does go fast. If I, two of my children are older, they're 25 and 23 and I'm still just their, their mama and I, and I miss them and I try to call them and it's looks like texting now. But, um, one of the ways I broke through my, my fear of exercising was I had my daughter exercise. My older daughter is 23 exercise with me and I, I needed, I needed her. So she was on zoom exercising with me and I was watching her move and allowing me to feel that that nurturing and that motherhood and that beautiful love between us um and that that eased me through my my struggle so yeah still still a mama even when they're (laughs) even when they're older I don't think she understands how how precious it is to spend time with her even through zoom but it is it is (laughs) it does does go it does go fast but every part of it is is beautiful in its own way um, yeah, so enjoy those little uh, little kiddos, and and I'll continue to follow you in your business and your pleasurepreneurship. Is that is that a word? Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> pleasurepreneurship. Um, yes. And how can people find you and reach out to you, Regan? Um, so I would say probably Instagram, Regan underscore Fig. R-E-G-A-N underscore F-I-double-G is where I am on the regular. I'm also on Facebook and I also have a podcast called Dive In with Regan Mm -hmm. Fink um, for those who are loving podcasts. Um, But yeah, and I, yeah, so I would say probably first point of call would be Instagram. Come and connect and say hi. Um, Mm -hmm. I like to say hi to everyone who follows. Um, But sometimes if people have private accounts, I can't reach out and say hi. So Come and say hi on Insta. Come and um, let's connect, share our worlds. So good. Thank you. Thank you for your generous time and energy today. I hope your day is full of laughter and love and giggles and naps. (laughs) Right. I know. We're going to go for um, a walk in the rainforest this morning. Yeah. Yeah. Lovely. Wear the children out. Then we will have naps. <laughs> then everybody naps at once. Everybody naps. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me on. I feel deeply honored to be here and I love what you're sharing with the world. Keep going. Please keep going. That is why I want women to be pleasurepreneurs so we can fill ourselves up so we can keep going to share ourselves and do our work in the world for a lifetime and not just a season. So yes. thank you yes. for being you and for having me on your podcast. Thank you. You inspire me. Um, thank you, Regan, for being here. My and if any- <laughs> yes, my absolute pleasure talking to you. If anybody wants to reach out to me, you can find me at pashamarlow.com or you can email me at pashamarlow.com, Instagram and Facebook at pashamarlow. And um, yeah, please subscribe to the podcast so that you can get notifications of all the fantastic, phenomenal guests like Regan Fig. Thank you again, Regan, for coming today. Thank you. Bye. Bye.